As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. We are back for another episode of Rocketship.fm with two more workplace confessions for all you out there. Yes, and we've been noticing that with these confessions, they're kind of coming in all across the board. Some of you are looking for advice. Some of you just, I don't know, spilling the dirt, right? In fact, actually, about doing your job as a product person makes a lot of sense, but... We've noticed some of the confessions, it's less about product and more about people. Yeah, no matter what kind of confession it is that you're sending, they've all been great so far. All of them have been getting our guest experts talking. So let's continue on that trend today on this episode of Rocketship FM. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. All right, so for today's confessions, we put these two together because they both had a little bit in common. Oh, yeah? Well, one is coming from a freelancer, and the other is coming from someone who's making a confession about uh, about a bit of a side project that they worked on. All right, all right, I got it. Well, that makes sense to put these two together, then. I should warn you, though, Michael, one of these confessions, it's a little X-rated. I mean, I, I don't think we want to get too graphic, <laughs> right? But... Uh, yeah, I mean, these are young, budding product people uh, listening in, so I just don't think that, you know. Uh, well, I look, I'm going to say, it doesn't get graphic. I promise you that, but um, okay. Okay. I'm going to leave I'm gonna leave that one for the end. You'll see what I mean. I think it'll be totally okay. Don't worry about that part. All right, so we're drawing out the suspense then. So <laughs> <laughs> you have teased the salacious. Um, well done. <laughs> well, you know, we got to build things up. So anyway, instead, um, for the first confession, why don't we go with this one? This one is what we're calling the ethical dilemma. I'm a creative freelancer who specializes in branding. However, I end up doing everything from web design to advertising campaigns. Now, I have a confession to make. 
This year has been tough, and I've taken quite a hit financially as projects had slowed down mid-year. I even considered looking for a full-time job, doing anything. But even those seemed hard to come by. A recent client found some work I had done for a client on my Dribbble account and reached out to get some branding work done for a new startup. They kept pushing for a low price, about half of what I usually charge. Typically, I'd just walk away at that point. But it's been a tough year, and I really needed the money. I did a couple initial concepts for them, but they didn't like any of them. They kept pointing back to the branding I'd done for a previous client they originally found on Dribbble, and it was clear they just wanted that branding for themselves. I knew it was going to take a lot of time to build a new branding for them that they would like, and I would have ended up losing a lot of money on the contract. So, I went back and looked at some earlier versions I had done for the branding that they liked and sent them over to them. They loved it, and I finished up the contract successfully. However, now I feel terrible that I've double-sold the concept and could potentially water down the brand of my initial client who paid full price. I've been thinking about going back to the client, explaining the situation, and offering to develop them an entire new brand. But I don't know how that will go over. Any advice on what I should do here? Am I overthinking this? All right. This this is a tough one. Yeah, it is. But um, working at Dribble yourself, this is probably something you've seen once or twice, I imagine. Uh, I've seen this type of thing a whole lot of times. So much that, well, I could definitely share my own opinions and will. Uh, but it's good to bring on our guest expert for this one so we can run things by him. Today, we have someone who is the perfect guest expert for a freelance confession like this one. That's Jay Klaus. Jay actually helps a lot of freelancers through his courses, his workshops. And yeah, he's a podcaster just like us. Yeah, Jay really is the perfect guest for this type of episode. I mean, he's the creator of Freelancing School, which helps creators, well, create. <laughs> and he also started the Unreal Collective Community, which was a paid community and accelerator for creators, which ultimately was acquired by Pat Flynn's SPI Media. And Jay now serves as SPI Media's Community Experience Director. But freelancing, it's in Jay's blood. So let's get right to Jay's take on these confessions, starting with an ethical dilemma. This feels like a difficult client. They're pushing back on price. They want half of what I usually charge. So often when we have this type of reaction to initial conversations with a client, it, it almost never gets better. It's almost always going to get worse. And as we can see for how this has played out, you might be wishing that you didn't take this contract in the first place. And and let's take that as a learning point. But instead of rehashing what could have been done here or should have been done here, let's start with where we're sitting here today. And my first question would be in this situation, are these two clients in similar industries? Are they likely to have their branding actually be seen in the same type of uh, area, arena, uh, in the same conversation? Because if not, then I would give yourself some grace for this particular situation and kind of move on. I mean, it's a huge, huge world. There are countless, countless brands, logos, uh, assets all over the place. And if you're not in the same industry, if you're not in the same operating geography, which may be digital, maybe in a physical space, um, it's not going to be a big deal. We've probably seen some, some brands that look like other brands. If they are in the in a similar industry, then you need to think about the first client and what they actually legally purchased. If you had a contract in place and it talked about what they were buying as part of that contract, 
Did they have exclusive rights to the brand that you created? What about the preliminary works? A lot of design contracts actually have things in place, clauses in place for situations like this. Whether you're granting an exclusive license, whether you're retaining rights to the preliminary works, if that's not in the contract and there's some legal gray area there, then um, you might be okay in that world too. If it is in the contract, you need to abide by it. If there's not a legal issue here, let's go back to this ethical question. How similar are the final brands? If you're using preliminary sketches, your eye as a designer can probably draw the line between the two much better than the typical consumer could. So again, here's another place where you might want to give yourself some grace to say, these two final brands, even though they started from the same thing, actually don't look that much the same. It sounds like this second client is already pretty emotionally attached to the finished contract. It's going to be really, really hard to take away from them uh, what they have and deliver a new concept because what they have is now the baseline. And they're going to be looking at whatever you create and saying, I don't know if I like that as much. And it sounds like this is eating up a lot of your time already. So to kind of close the loop here, if realistically these two brands aren't that similar, if they won't be shown in the same arena, in the same area, I'd chalk this up as a learning experience and move forward. I think we could also look at some other brands like Airbnb. When when Airbnb rebranded, there were brands that looked identical to that logo mark, uh, but it lived on, right? And, and Airbnb didn't go back and change it, even when the design Twitter sphere kind of blew up. It survived and, and you know, maybe 10,000 people were actually affected by it emotionally. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal. And so I, I completely agree here. I would cross my fingers, uh, hope you don't cross any kind of legal dilemmas here and um, and just do better next time. Yeah, just remember that feeling you're feeling right now. We don't want to feel this way again, right? So <laughs> if right. we're going through this next time, I, I'm sure they won't forget about this situation. Probably make a different decision next time, right? That's right. Got to learn to trust ourselves. And in a future circumstance, if someone else is pointing to the new concepts you've delivered and saying, actually, I want more of what you created for this client, you can point to your new contract and say, well, in, in this contract, I promised this many rounds of initial concepts and revisions. If you want to go back to the drawing board, we can do that. It's going to increase the scope and it's going to cost this much money, but we have to do that because I am obligated to not create the same brand that I've created before. Before the break, we heard one confession, one that was specific to freelancers. And this next one, I don't know. You made it sound pretty salacious, Mike. Well, the confession itself is pretty benign, I think, but it's the topic <laughs> itself that might turn some heads. All right. So what's the topic? Well, it's better to just go right into it. So I will cue the voice actor that we have to portray this confession. Uh, and the title of this one is A Little Porny. Oh, no. I've been helping a friend out with a side project for a website concept they had. He described it to me as a video site that's a mix of YouTube and Tinder where people could upload videos to share with the community. The idea was whatever. However, my work is some of the best I ever produced. I designed the site and built out the front end and then hand it over to a back-end developer. I immediately put the work up 
on my portfolio as I'd love to get hired to do more work like this, hoping to add a link to the live site once it was launched. But here is a problem. The site finally launched and let's just say my friend didn't tell me the whole truth. It's basically just a site for uploading porn. I'm mortified that my work is being used for this. Not to mention, I'd hate for any future clients to recognize my work or think I ripped it off because I can't link to the live site from my portfolio. So it just looks like a concept I developed. Should I confront my friend? Should I leave this on my portfolio and hope no one finds out? Okay. So yeah, a little porny. Now now I get it. Yeah. And well, I I don't know. I don't know what else to say here. We we should probably just get Jay's take. <laughs> Well, let me start by saying I'm no relationship counselor, so I can't tell you if you should consult uh, or confront your friend. Personally, <laughs> I would I would probably tell my friend that I felt a little bit duped so that uh, we can have a more honest conversation in the future. Um, probably nothing they're going to do about it now. But the reality is a lot of freelancers do a lot of project work that we don't want in our portfolio for one reason or another. Uh, usually it's because the client had bad taste or what we think is bad taste or our concept got so morphed from the original plans that we're no longer proud of it. it doesn't even feel like our thing in this specific circumstance. I think it comes down to who your ideal clients are and how they may feel about this work and its relation mm -hmm. to you. What is your brand? Does this really feel off brand for you? Would you feel like this is a, a net negative for future clients looking at it? If you think there's significant risk to your personal brand or your reputation, it's probably best to leave out the, the live site. Um, you may be able to show some concepts of how you got to this point as spec work in the immediate term. Um, one of my favorite projects I've ever seen was fully spec work. It was a, a, a graphic designer or a, a UX designer who totally redesigned Instagram just because she wanted to challenge herself and see how far she could go creatively. And it was so incredible. I think it's just as powerful as a full paid project because she did the work. She did everything she would yeah. be hired to do if, if she just did it for Instagram. So you might be able to do that and put it on your portfolio in that way and feel okay about it. But um, if you if you don't feel pr proud of the live website, don't link to the live website. I think the risk of somebody seeing that website, connecting it to you and your brand without you explicitly making that connection is very, very low. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I started out freelancing in the credit repair industry, which is uh, notoriously scammy. And uh, I spent like two or three years building credit repair websites. Don't feel great about it, but it's where you cut your teeth. It's where you learn. I wouldn't put anything on my portfolio, but I, I definitely wouldn't regret the time being able to learn and getting paid for it. We all start somewhere. I would definitely keep this off of the portfolio. I think they they have it in them to do this work again, and I think that's the important the important part here is they can take this experience and hopefully translate into something that is in the industry they want to flourish in. If uh, porn is not that industry, <laughs> I love that. I love the idea of of showcasing it though, maybe in a different way as spec work though. You know, it's like the work that you did. It doesn't mean that it can't be shown at all it just maybe you're going to show it in a different way and and yeah you're going to be up front to say that this this is 
just spec work on my end. This wasn't an actual client, but I was creative and you know, I'm, you're able to show it that way. I think that's actually a pretty creative solution for it. This is definitely at an extreme end of the spectrum, but I actually hear stories kind of like this with photographers a lot. Photographers who actually like to do boudoir photography, but they also wanna be hired to do commercial photography. And so the question comes up, do I have one single portfolio that shows both? And you just have to think about what is the brand you're trying to create for the ideal client you're trying to work with? And is this congruent? Uh, for a lot of those photographers, they end up creating two separate websites, two separate Instagram accounts, and that's just fine because people don't dive down the rabbit hole that deeply. If they do, um, maybe you lose one person here or there, but the risk is relatively low. So I think, I think you have to think about your portfolio as a signal to your ideal clients and, and go from there. Two confessions for today um, with, again, a bit of a focus on that freelance product person. But, you know, myself personally, I haven't done a ton of freelance work. Uh, even still, though, I, I got a lot of things out of this one. Oh, for sure. And, and yes, I have that freelance experience. But even still, whether you do or don't, I think there are some things to learn today. Yeah, and we usually close out with that one big takeaway each. So, uh, Michael, I will ask you, what is your big takeaway from today? Yeah, so let's start with the first confession. My takeaway is going to be from that one, the ethical dilemma. And that's when it comes to ethical decisions like this. We shouldn't underestimate what our gut is telling us. Usually it's pointing us in the right direction and honestly just we shouldn't overthink it. In this case, the person making the confession said that they had a dilemma, but they really didn't need to be looking for answers on what to do. They already knew what to do. Sometimes it's hard just to trust ourselves, but it shouldn't be. We should all be a little bit more confident in ourselves that we can at least trust our gut to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty well said. I mean, there's never anything wrong with looking for advice, but sometimes you do know, right? Like sometimes, uh, especially when it comes to ethical decisions like this one. Um, so anyway, I think that's a good one for sure. Um, my takeaway, I'm actually going to go with the same confession. Um, and you know, sometimes we, we pick one of each, but I'm, I'm actually going to stay on that confession, the ethical dilemma for me though, it would be that we should remember that low cost projects, they always have that extra cost, don't they? Uh, in this case, the person even said, you know, usually I don't take on projects like this, you know, referring to the fact that the client was offering about half their rate. But in this case, they did decide to take on that job. They needed the money after all, but that low rate brought on all sorts of other challenges. In this case, that cost was an ethical one, but they wouldn't have had to even deal with it if they stuck to their guns on price and, you know, didn't take on some project that would have been half of their rate. Now, it's true that maybe they wouldn't have gotten this job, but they wouldn't have gotten the headache that this job came with. So I don't know. I, I think my my takeaway is if you're in that position to take on freelance work, you know, maybe think of what your lowest acceptable rate would be um, and, and set it, you know, and whatever, whatever it's going to be, you know, there's probably a reason behind that. But then my advice is to probably stick with it. I mean, otherwise you're probably going to find out about hidden costs like this one that you just weren't expecting. Good points all around. And that brings us to the end of the episode. So we hope you enjoyed these confessions. We hope you're ready to hear even more confessions and we've got two more coming next week. And of course, if you have confessions of your own to share, we want to hear them. Email us at team at rocketship.fm and we'll be right back here next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.